can. We are live. How are you doing, Chris? Oh, doing good. Ready to start it up. Yep, sweet. Thank you guys for coming back to another episode of For Film's Sake. This is episode four. Can you believe that? We've got four episodes. We've been doing this for a month now. That's rough. That's insane. It doesn't feel like a month. Uh, no, but you know, yeah. uh, hopefully the, the episodes are listenable and enjoyable and you guys are liking it. Hopefully so. I'm, I'm, I, just, I just heard back from episode three. Because we're recording earlier. Normally, episode three would come out today, and we record next Thursday. Yep. Uh, but we're recording on the same day an episode came out, and I just listened to it before you got here. Mm. And I gotta say, like, I really like that episode. Episode three was really good. I hope so. So if you haven't checked that out, go check it out because it's kind of freaking awesome. Nice. <laughs> All right. Today we're gonna talk about this. Is just kind of what you're expecting. Today we're gonna talk about romantic comedies, and I don't like romantic comedies. <laughs> I really am not a fucking fan. Um, I mean, it, it depends on the on the romantic comedy. I mean, I'm not I'm not big on romance whatsoever, you know. But if you throw some comedy in there, then I'm all for it. And especially the the movies that I picked, you know, they're they they merge genres. So I mean, it's not just romantic comedy. Some of them are romantic sci-fi comedy. You That's know? it's romantic sci-fi. Like um, Eternal Sunshine of a Spotless Mind. I haven't I haven't seen that one. Yeah, that's. Yeah. Um, uh, Jim Carrey. That's one of his. <laughs> Jim Carrey's on our list today too. He what? He what? He's in our list. Oh yeah, yeah. It's yes, like yeah. twice with that with yeah, that one. Yeah, you know. So uh, yeah, he's um he's one of those actors that can do a lot, but he's really only recognized for his comedic standpoint. But yeah, this guy's nice. But let's uh, catch up though. Yeah, before we we go talking about movies, what has been up lately with our lives? <laughs> well, uh, firstly, we only have like what three or four days since we recorded the last yeah. episode, so not much has happened. But uh, some of the things that I did uh, follow up on, number one, was that swimsuit edition that I was talking about. <laughs> I watched that. How'd I that definitely go? watched that. Amazing. Nice. Now, now they're, they're, the controversy or whatever behind it was they have a quote-unquote plus-size model, yeah. which just means regular size. Yeah, <laughs> that's know? what I'm getting. It said, uh, what's her, she's an actress. It was a lingerie yeah. model, a Lisa or something. Yeah, and I, I, was, I, was, I was looking, I was like, wow, like she's like the most beautiful one out of all of them, but it's like plus-size, <laughs> like plus-size. That looks like a regular-size woman that looks very good, but yeah, I was all into that, that 2016 um, thing, but yeah. Did you know there's a, a company now, I think um, American Eagle, I think it was the one they're like doing the whole thing with like real women modeling their outfits and whatever. Yeah. And it's apparently working out for them. Good. They've been all over my fucking Facebook feed. Yeah. I'm I don't good. even like American Eagle. They're all over the fucking place. They're everywhere. So hopefully they're going well. Besides them, uh, you know, Ronda Rousey is um, doing the swimsuit edition. Oh, is she? She, um, they did a full body paint on her. Nice. You know, like full body paint, everything, you know, so she's stunning. She's yeah, nice. no, Ronda Rousey. She was, uh, before she lost that fight, she was all over the fucking place, too. Yeah. She, I think her longest fight that I saw was like 38 seconds. Yeah, if that long is. That, that lady will kick ass if ass. you give her the chance. That's She's she amazing. Does. That is what she does. Um, and, outside of that, I mean, that, that, was, that was great. You know, the, the swimsuit. <laughs> <laughs> it was great, you know. It's always good to have a little eye candy every oh, yeah. now and then. And then uh, the, the Walking Dead returned. Ah, shit, that's right. I saw, okay. Here's about The Walking Dead. I don't like it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and for some reason, I never clicked with it. Okay. And I was browsing channels on Sunday before I did a thing, and I found that they were having a Walking Dead marathon. Yeah. But the episode that I clicked on, there were a black priest, mm -hmm. Carol in, like, a hoodie, yep. and, like, a black lady with katanas oh, duking yeah, yeah. it out. And those like, characters have been there for about four seasons. Yeah. So. <laughs> So they've been there for quite a while. They've been there for a while, but as someone that's never watched The Walking Dead, I tune into a priest getting the shit kicked out of him, mm -hmm. 
then like an old lady with a gun telling a, an older lady will give her a gun and say, hey, point out the gun if anyone shoots. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I thought those were zombies. What the fuck is happening? Oh, it's not. Yeah, it's more than zombies. <laughs> I mean, that's what makes it so good, though, that it's not just about zombies because I couldn't get into it if it was only zombies because yeah. I'm not an action person or horror for that matter. But the fact that, that it's like I can, I'm seeing now that it's a little bit less about zombies and more yeah. about the people in this yeah. kind of zombie world. Yeah. I'm thinking of checking it out again. Start with the first yeah. season. I the first season was my favorite because yeah. I started watching the first season, then I moved on to the second season for a bit, mm -hmm. and I was like, ah, they cut the budget, the writer left, so it was a bit shit. Yeah. Uh, so I might just skip the second season and go on with the third. Yeah, you need the continuity. Yeah, I'll I'll read up on it. <laughs> yeah. uh, let's see. All right, Walking Dead that came back. So if if you read the comic books on Walking Dead, they're starting to go along those lines a little bit more now. I don't want to give you the spoiler because it just happened yesterday, so you might not have had time to see The Walking Dead or Sunday that it came out. But um, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised with this episode, you know. Yeah, I heard it was really fucking intense. Oh, yeah. And I mean, intense for Walking Dead, you know, because, I mean, every episode is like, who died this week? You know, so, I mean, it's, it's intense for Walking Dead. It's like Game of Thrones and Zombie. Yeah, exactly. Um, another good thing, the Grammys. The Grammys happened. Oh, shit, that's right. I'm just going to highlight over uh, three albums of one. The to Pimp a Butterfly by uh, Kendrick Lamar won Rap Album of the Year. Nice. He deserves that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Uptown Funk by uh, Bruno Mars won Record of the Year. Nice. It's kind of one of those uh, inescapable songs, you know. What's the, the difference between record and album? Uh, album is a collection of songs and record is just one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so he won Record of the Year. And um, for Album of the Year, Taylor Swift, 1989. That's not that doesn't surprise me. That was a pretty good album, mm -hmm. but it, it also made a shitload of money. That's where exactly. <laughs> I mean, if we're talking popularity contests and who brought in the most money, then yes, yeah, she won. Yeah, yeah, she did. And I can't take anything away from her from a artistic standpoint because I didn't sit there and listen from track one till the end and break it down. I just heard the hits. Yeah, so, neither do I. But the hits were fucking hits fantastic. Were yeah. yeah. So she won. She won album of the year, and that was great. And um. Lastly, Valentine's Day just passed. That's true. That happened. Yeah. I, I got I got drunk and nice. I watched sad romantic comedies. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I mean, uh, I spent my Valentine's Day. Um, I was supposed to go see Deadpool. That's right. Yeah, yeah. we talked about this. I was supposed to see Deadpool. I'm like so um, sorry. Like a lot of you listeners hopefully did. Like Brian did. Dude, uh, uh, let's talk about Deadpool real quick. I'm yeah. not going to spoil anything, but I'm going to tell anyone that's listening right yeah. now that hasn't seen Deadpool. Mm -hmm. To go fucking see Deadpool. Yeah. I wrote a review on it. Uh, you can find that at like Brian and C or medium.com slash Brian or CJ mm -hmm. if you want to read it. But I wrote a review on Deadpool and it's honestly one of the best, not only superhero movies that have come out, but movies in general. Like it's a really good fucking movie. I'm, yeah. I'm anxious to see it. Yeah, you like, should yeah. definitely. I've heard no negative reviews about it whatsoever. Not one. Not that Nothing. I. Yeah. I've heard people go from like meh to like this is really good, but yeah. never, never like bad. Yeah. So, um, so, so anyway, yeah, Valentine's Day, I, uh, I was set up to go see Deadpool, you know, forgot that it was Valentine's Day completely, just had Deadpool <laughs> on the schedule. Then I'm like, oh shit, it's, it's Valentine's Day and I have a girlfriend. I should probably do something about that. <laughs> <laughs> I should figure something out yeah. real quick. You know, but like the, and not to get too personal, but the kind of relationship that we have is like not very orthodox. So mm -hmm. I plan to take her out for a nice candlelit dinner at the Waffle House <laughs> for Valentine's Day, you know, just to be kind of corny and funny or whatever. But not knowing that lots of other people had the same idea. <laughs> Seriously. It's like, they, I mean, you get to the Waffle House and it's packed out. Standing room only. You know, so I mean, that, that idea was completely shit, I guess. Standing room only in a fucking Waffle House. On Valentine's Day. 
candlelit dinners at Waffle House with the heart shaped waffle. Everybody wanted that for some reason. That's fucking so, interesting. So we, we, we left from there and didn't get our Waffle House and ended up, um, we wanted to see a couples movie and Coen Brothers had Hell Caesar out. So it was Hell Caesar or Deadpool and we chose Hell Caesar. And not to put, I'm not going to put Hell Caesar down because it's a good movie. It's written very good, it's shot well, and the Coen Brothers always do masterful work. But if you weren't alive in that time era, and just to get a lot of the subtlety of the things that they're talking about, then it's not going to make Yeah, like if you sense. weren't in the industry during that specific time yeah. that they're talking about, I heard that it's an inside movie. It is. So like our teacher, for example, he'd get the movie, he'd yep. laugh at it. But us, we look for fucking yeah. final. Yeah. Unless you're like a like a super trivia nerd, you yeah. might be out of the loop on that one. And on top of that, I'm a huge Scarlett Johansson fan, so I'm, I want to see some Scarlett Johansson action. You know, <laughs> you, got, you got the commercials, her coming out of pools and water and all type of stuff, and then you see her for all of five minutes. On I think so, yeah. Jonah Hill's on screen for all of forty five seconds. Yeah, I mean, um, but but when you have such an all star cast, I mean, they're gonna be out there for a maximum of like ten minutes. Even, I mean, the the whole all star cast. If you collect all the time that those all stars were on screen, mm-hmm. maybe twenty minutes. Yeah. That's including George Clooney. That's including um, what's what's a Channing Tatum. Channing Tatum. That's, that's including Jonah Hill. That's including Scarlett Johansson. All of those a collective of maybe twenty to twenty five minutes Damn. total. You know, so I mean, it wasn't about them; they were just there. You know, but it's like I said, I'm not gonna put it down. Uh, maybe I should watch it again, but yeah, yeah. I think it's one of, uh, like every Cohen, I mean, Cohen Brothers movie. Mm-hmm. I feel like you gotta watch twice. Maybe once, but not because they're complicated, just because they're like really subtle with no, the filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I watched The Big Lebowski six times now. Yeah. And every time I watch it after that, I find, like, awesome a tiny nice. little detail that yeah. I really like. Nice. So, I feel like the Coen Brothers said just have that type of movie. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Very layered. What about you? What'd you get into for the weekend? What'd I get into? I, well, see, a lot of movies that I watch before podcasts are, like, prep for the episodes. Yeah. Because I'm trying to watch three movies a, a week now. Okay. That's the thing that I'm trying to do so I can study the movies. Mm-hmm. And... And talk. So most of them I just prep for the for the podcast. So okay. today I watched uh, I Love You, Philip Morris, mm-hmm. with uh, Jim Carrey and Ewan McGregor. Yeah, Ewan uh, McGregor, yeah, yeah. Fantastic fucking movie. Oh, yeah. And then I watched, I just finished watching Punch Drunk Love before you got here. My favorite, yes. One of my favorite um, rom-coms ever. Love that. that I, I have to agree. I, really I have good. to agree. It's really good. The soundtrack on that is phenomenal. It's weird, too. It's like <laughs> really weirdly instrumental and shit, and it's fantastic. I mean, did you, the guy's name is uh, John Bryan that John uh, Bryan? Did, did the soundtrack for that. He also worked with Kanye West on late registration to make his album sound so sonic, you know. Yeah, and he's a good he's a good mixer, a good musician. It's fucking fantastic. Yeah. So I watch I Love You, Philip Morris, Punch Drunk Love. Mm-hmm. I have Dope on my queue, which I think is a good for an urban movie. I guess it is. Yeah. Uh, I've heard I've heard good things about it, and then I've watched. Uh, I don't know if it's urban. I don't. Well, like urban, not in the urban in the sense that it takes place in like the inside of a city, and it's like in the, in like the neighbor, it's like a neighborhood type setting for these kids, I guess. I, I get you know what yeah yeah because yeah, I'm, I'm I'm thinking I got the movies mixed up. I'm thinking of uh, Dear White People. Oh, no, Dear no. White People and Dope. Yeah, Dope is more is, is an urban movie. Yeah. Dear White People is just there's black people in it. Is there anybody because <laughs> urban is like oh, usually that, that urban just means black. No, 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 no. I, I absolutely mean like, yeah, it is. like in an urban setting. Yes, yeah. If I want to say that a movie has black people, <laughs> I just say a movie has black people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, I put that on my queue. I'm excited to see it. Yeah. And then I've just kind of been watching like miscellaneous things. Like every so often I watch uh, an episode of something mm. and that's it. I, I haven't really, everything I watch is pretty much prep for the podcast because my week is so packed up. Yeah. 
that I don't have time to watch anything outside. I watched Deadpool and I fell in love with that movie. It was yeah. fucking fantastic. Oh yeah. Uh, I want to go see Hell Caesar. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for Valentine's Day, I really just I try to get through Adventureland. Yeah. And Valentine's Day, I watch. I love you, Philip Morris, on Valentine's Day. I watched. Uh, try to watch Adventureland. Made it forty-five minutes through. Yeah. Couldn't fucking do it. It bummed me out. All right. It made me fucking sad, and I had a bottle of wine, and then I had to turn it off. That's the uh, the Ron Reynolds? Yeah, that's Ron Reynolds. Yeah, Ryan yeah. Reynolds, uh, Jesse Eisenberg, and Kristen Stewart. Yeah, yeah. It's a good movie, but yeah. it was like it was a really slow pace, and I was just getting bummed out. All right. So I quit. I, I stopped watching that, and then I tried to watch another Emma Roberts movie called Adult World. I didn't see that. Uh, it's, not, it's not a rom-com. It's just a weird Emma Roberts movie. Okay. Uh, she's a writer that works in a sex shop, and she's trying to be a poet and whatever. And I, I couldn't get into it. It was like that sort of teenager awkwardness that rom-coms tend to have. But it yeah. wasn't a rom-com. It was like a romance movie and like a coming-of-age story. But it was boring. She's a writer that wants to be a poet that's working in a porn shop? Yeah, in a, in a sex shop. Mm. It's called Adult World. and But the, the plot of the movie is that she's stalking her favorite poet. Okay. And, but I didn't make it to the part where she got to the stalking. It was just not well-paced for okay. me. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm intrigued just off the setup of a writer that wants to be a poet that works in a porn shop. That's, that's how <laughs> I was. I was intrigued to that. Yeah. And then I, I'm excited because I found out about Daredevil season two. I saw the trailer finally. Yes. Which is fucking fantastic. We yes. were in class actually when it came out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm excited. Like, I didn't, I just, I just watched the trailer. I've seen all the dates of things that are mm-hmm. coming out, but I've just seen that trailer. I guess they're going to have another trailer for Deadpool coming out soon. Uh, well, yeah. Well, the marketing for Deadpool. Not Deadpool. Um, not, I'm sorry. Uh, oh. Uh, Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it, we'll figure it out. Yep. Uh, the one other thing we're gonna go a little bit over fifteen, but the one other thing that I wanted to mention is that uh, in one of our classes, we're learning about conceptual storytelling yes. and the structure of movies and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And yesterday was a really cool class because we got to see sort of like the skeletal structure mm-hmm. of like all pretty much all of the big successful movies that happened. Yeah, and it was honestly one of my funnest things that I've done with screenwriting okay. so far because it's good to know where the basis for your whole job yeah. is, I yeah. guess. And it, it it was just an interesting it was just an interesting thing and I was curious to know what you what you thought about it. Um like I said that that particular class it was it was good. Like I, the class before the one on one did mm-hmm. a lot more for me, you know, when I can get the one on one feedback, but there was definitely a really good class. I mean it was informative. Yeah, uh for I, I don't know how many of you of us listening are are screenwriters of any sort. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're taking a conceptual storytelling class and, it's, and I want to get better at screenwriting with it. And because of that class, I feel like my own script is already sort of taking shape. Mm-hmm. So I've been like not being able to sleep because I'm thinking about the script lately. Yeah. So if I seem tired at any point in the week, it's just because I'm like awake, like a fucking psychopath trying to like, like if you saw my room, there's writing on the walls. That's a result of that shit. So yeah, I don't, I don't know any writers yeah. working on like regular schedules. See, yeah, like <laughs> most of my writing is coming at one o'clock in the morning. Because I mean, as soon as you get the idea, it drives you to where to a point to where you don't stop until the idea stops. Yeah, no, you have mm-hmm. to, you have to work it. You have yeah. to like sit there for four hours and cry at the sixth. Yeah. Uh, but that's that. I'm I'm just working on a script, uh, watching, trying to watch every three movies every week. Mm-hmm. Uh, to just get an idea for what movies are. Yeah. And I think I think that's it. That's all I've been up. That's all I've been up to. Cool. Is there anything else? I think that was a hell of an opening. Yeah, I think so too. All right, we're gonna take a little break uh, so I can get some water and pee because I forgot to do that before we started, and then we're gonna come back to talk to you about rom coms oh, and yeah. why I fucking hate the genre. All right. <laughs> Enjoy the theme music. Cheers. <laughs> 
All right, and we're back. All right, so I gotta, I gotta, I, I gotta be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Romantic comedies. Let's hear it. Can't fucking stand them. And why? They piss me off because they're. Okay, I know that. I know that the reason that people go to movies mm-hmm. is so, so they can have some type of hope and like escape from reality for a bit and do all this sort of artsy fancy shit. Uh, with movies and romantic comedies, they're kind of like people to escape relationships because they're shitty and complicated. Possibly. But they're just so bland and like Every fucking. One? Most Everyone? of them. Most of them. I'm talking. Okay, let me talk. There, I think there's three different kinds of rom coms for okay. me. And I categorize them. So I categorize them as the general rom com, which is like your no strings attached, your sex tape, your blah, 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 movies <laughs> that I don't like. Okay. Uh, they're just kind of the bland middle of the shelf kind of thing. So like a heavy romance then. Like yeah. Romance comedy. Well, uh, I, I say romantic comedy in the sense of like, oh, there's two people that suddenly fall in love under walky circumstances. Yay, that kind of romantic comedy. Uh, mm. kind of pissing me off. I fucking okay. hate that shit. And yeah. those are most of the ones. No strings attached. A couple decides to have sex, mm-hmm. uh, but have no feelings for each other. And yep. they, of course, they develop feelings. Yeah. Uh, the one with Ashton Kutcher, same fucking premise. Same movie, yeah. Uh, the friends with benefits. Friends, mm-hmm. friends with benefit things. Yeah. That kind of movie pisses me off. Yeah. I cannot stand it. It's boring and it's like predict, like predictable. Okay. And I can sit through one of them without fucking just simmering in my chair. Yeah. Just waiting to like rant about the goddamn movie. Yeah. And then there's kind of like the the dark sort of romantic comedy mm-hmm. which is the romantic comedy that explores the darkness of a relationship okay. and like the the things that people do to make a relationship work that mm-hmm. wouldn't be pg-13 safe or like mainstream safe there's those are your kind of like your i love you philip morris's your mm-hmm. punch drunk love uh your uh that kind of movie like okay. i don't know a lot of titles but there's those kind of like dark humor, sort of funny romantic comedies that have Lars and the Real Girl is another one. I love that. Uh, I love that so, movie. so that's kind of like the weird offshoot of romantic comedies that I really, really like. Yeah. And then the other one is kind of like the ones that try to be a little bit raunchier, mm. but still fall into that category of being bland. Mm. Uh, I, that would actually be more closer to like your sex tape and your Cameron Diaz movies and your like your couple of first Adam Sandler movies, mm. that kind of thing. Okay. So for me, they're tiered. They're like kind of like the fucking generic, bland romantic okay. comedy at the bottom. Your Adam Sandler romantic comedy of mm. like the early 2000s, mm. which were enjoyable with certain romantic comedies. But then kind of like your dark, humorous, kind of like shit. Mm. That was heavy romantic comedies. It's like, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to 180 it because I'm not a huge fan of romantic comedies because romantic movies just aren't, my thing typically uh, P.S. Yeah. I Love You um, The Notebook stuff like that is not my thing but I love comedy so like comedy is my number one genre you know so my love for comedy so much is that you can throw it into almost anything and I'm gonna kinda dig yeah, it kind of fix you it, know yeah. horror and comedy anything you put comedy into it I'm gonna kinda dig it but um like movies like Sleepless in Seattle you know that's a heavy chick flick Sleepless yeah. in Seattle was heavy chick flick and I dig it that's um uh, Meg Ryan and uh, Tom Hanks. Yeah, it's always there's always gonna be outliers. Oh yeah, for oh, yeah. for both of those genres. What's the uh, what's the other one? Uh, they they did two movies. Uh, one was Sleepless in Seattle. Lost in Translation. And, no, that was um Scarlett Scarlet Johansson and Bill Murray. That's which true. I should have put on the list, but I'm glad you brought it up because that's still a um, a romantic comedy, but it's not. It doesn't fit the typical 
a structure of romantic comedy. Yeah, but it's yeah. kind of it's kind of dark and it explores the darker side of being a person. So yeah. like, I really want to be with this person, but she's fucked up. I don't yeah. know if I should. Yeah. Or like, he's weird. I don't know if I should. Yeah. He's and, got mental illnesses. Yeah. You gotta figure that shit out. That's the kind of romantic movie that I like because it's not only a romantic comedy. Mm. But it's a romantic comedy that explores the human condition. Yeah. And that's why I like those movies. In, in, a, in a different way. Because, yeah, yeah. the um, Sleepless in Seattle is exploring human relationships, but in the same way that every romantic comedy is doing. You know, there's nothing new in Sleepless in Seattle. There's nothing new there. Yeah. You know, so I can, I can see how that would be um, dull for you <laughs> to watch something <laughs> that you already know is going to happen. Yeah. It's like, oh, there, there's conflict between the, the main characters, and now they're going away, and you know they're going to get back together at the end. Yeah. You know? But now, where I want to bring this into is um, my favorite rom-com. It's called Annie Hall. Annie Hall. That's right. I've heard about it. I didn't know that was a rom-com. It's a rom-com. And this is where it started for me, where I, I started to accept romantic comedies from okay. this movie. Now, the, the reasoning is because the, the, the same thing that you were saying, how you know what's going to happen. And it's just it's so typical. They're, they're together. There's conflict. They break up, get back together, yada, 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 all that <laughs> stuff. But in the end, you have to have this lovely moment to where they come back together and they're together. Mm -hmm. you know. So watching Annie Hall, um, I'm watching it, you know, completely cynical, you know, thinking <laughs> that I know exactly what's going on. But as these things are happening, Woody Allen, my favorite writer-director out there, he's just brilliant through, throughout the entire thing. All right, it, it explores the human condition in, in this type of way in relationships. Yeah. He, um, he's walking down the streets of New York, and he's wondering how people are having relationships with each other and making it last for so long. You know, because every relationship that he finds is just they're not compatible after a while. You know? So um, he goes up to a couple. He says, you guys seem like a happy couple. How do you account for it? And, <laughs> yeah, like, how do you account for that? You know? And the woman says, well, I'm very shallow and empty and I have no ideas and nothing interesting to say. <laughs> you know? And the guy is like, yeah, and I'm, I'm the same way. You know? So, so Woody Allen is like, so, so you've managed to work something out. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know? So it's just like two people that are very similar, you know, have come together in their shallowness and emptiness and having no original ideas between the two of them, you know, and they can get along and have their normal life. You know, so I mean, he needs his equival equivalent of whatever that may be, you know, so I mean, he's he's throwing these snarky, you know, cynical comments out through mm -hmm. the entire time, you know, or um, uh, at the end, he's, he's uh, complaining about a family member that uh, thinks that he's a chicken. And he's like, he's like, why don't you just like send him to a crazy home? Like, why, why are you dealing with him acting like a chicken this entire time? He was like, ah, because we need the eggs. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Exactly. It's like, and, and it's like the rationale behind it is like the eggs in this scenario is the entertainment that you are brought from a guy that believes he's a chicken. <laughs> you, you know? <laughs> you know, it's good writing when someone tells you the joke and you yeah. still laugh. Completely out of context. <laughs> you know? So, so I mean, it's, it's, he's going through that with the relationship. So, um, him and um, and Diane Keaton. Diane Keaton is in this movie, and she is she related to Michael Keaton. Funny story about that. Michael Keaton, um, when he first became an actor, he wanted um, a last name that was already notable and people uh. would know. So he changed his last name to Keaton because of Diane Keaton. <laughs> Seriously, Son of a bitch. true story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, D Diane Keaton is in there, and that's when she was at her peak in her youth and was gorgeous. I mean, she's still gorgeous now, but she was amazing wearing those vests and everything. She was so nice. But um, in the in in the movie, uh, Woody Allen and um. And Diane Keaton, they're they're starting off their relationship, and they're in the beginning stages of it, and trying to get to know each other. Mm -hmm. She's a a writer and a singer, musician. She goes on stage singing her songs. You know, um, Woody Allen, he's a stand-up comedian. And 
they're, they're, they're speaking with each other, going back and forth, and he's giving his viewpoint on life. So he's telling her, he's like, I'm, I, I have a very pessimistic view on life. Life is divided into the horrible and the miserable. Those are the two categories. The horrible would be terminal cases, blind people, cripples. I don't know how they get through a life. The miserable <laughs> is everyone else. <laughs> the miserable is everyone else. So you should be thankful that you're miserable because you're very lucky to be that. <laughs> you know? It's like I should he, watch that movie. Oh, that movie yeah. sounds right up my fucking alley. It's hilarious the, the entire way through. You know, so, um, and, and other things in the directorial, the, the, the directorial way that he, he got his point across one scene to where um, he focuses on a, a box of books as mm -hmm. they're breaking up finally and they're collecting all their things and instead of focusing on Diane Keaton and moving with her through the room as she collects things and then focusing on Woody Allen and moving through the room as he collects things he just focuses on that box that they're centered and coming right back and forth to amazing cinematography he does uh, something similar in the kitchen uh, when there's a lobster that, uh, that gets loose behind the refrigerator and, <laughs> and, and a scene that you've seen that was um, when they're in the movie theater in the lawn, mm -hmm. and uh, he's talking about, and um, it was like, yeah, what, what's what's the guy's name? Um, he, he was talking about something that the guy's like, oh, like something about his work. Oh, Marshall McLuhan. Marshall yeah. McLuhan. He was like, yeah, you you know nothing of my work, <laughs> and just, yeah. But Family Guy even made a, a spoof about it, you know. So it's it's an iconic romantic uh, comedy. Christopher Walken is in it. <laughs> he Here's the thing film. about Annie Hall. What you're describing it to me, mm -hmm. it sounds like a comedy. Mm -hmm. That's built around a romance oh, yeah. and not a romantic comedy. Oh, hold on, hold on. Now this is why where the where, I, where I'm going back to the romance of it. Now, uh, and Diane Keaton and um, Diane Keaton and Woody Allen they go through their relationship from the beginning of meeting her mm -hmm. and then wondering why it's not working out the way that he thinks it's going to work out. So they eventually move and thinking the changing of scenery is going to change things. That doesn't change anything, you know. And um, they they break up for a while and then mm -hmm. you're just like, okay, you're waiting for the resolution of them meeting back up and getting back together, yeah. you know? So finally at the end, and I hope I'm not spoiling anything for you no, from a movie that came out for 40 years. <laughs> yeah. So so at, at the end, finally, they um, they get that resolution that I'm, I'm waiting for so I can turn the movie off and know that they're back together and they found love again. They, um, they have dinner at a restaurant outside and Diane Keaton has a new boyfriend. You know, he doesn't have the dinner with him. But they sit there and talk, and they just talk about all their old times and how great the few months that they had together was. Mm -hmm. And then Woody Allen stands up and walks away, and Diane Keaton stands up and walks away, and it's over. There's no resolution of them getting back together and that love. And every time that I watch the breakup and how my unsatisfaction with it, the breakup <coughs> is basically Annie Hall. It is oh, basically, yeah. like, have you seen the breakup before with um, uh, mm -hmm. Jennifer Aniston Jen and Vince Vaughn? Vaughn yeah. yeah. It is, it's, it's Annie Hall and just not done as well. You know, that's a romantic comedy in itself, you know, but Annie Hall is my tops. Like, I pointed out all the comedy in it, but it's mm -hmm. over a two-and-a-half-hour movie, and it's not completely comedy, but... No, but that's the thing about Annie Hall, and that's exactly... Because even with all of that that you've said, mm -hmm. it does sound like a comedy mm -hmm. that's built around a romance. It is. And the reason why I say that is because there's no... How do you say it? There's no fallback on the romance. Like, it's purely... Like, the fault, mm -hmm. the greatness of the movie comes it's from comedy. the comedy. Yeah. And then the romance is just as a, as a vehicle for the comedy. Mm -hmm. But in, and what I don't like about mainstream rom-coms yeah. is that the, the comedy is a vehicle for the romance okay. instead of the other way around. So why don't the romance be a vehicle for the comedy? Exactly. Because, um, because the romance being a vehicle for the comedy mm -hmm. means that the movie is going to be funny. <laughs> yeah. Because you're focused on making the comedic elements of the movie work mm -hmm. rather than the romantic elements. The romantic elements are just a subplot that are there in the comedy. 
that's my view on like what makes a good romantic comedy work. Okay. Uh, because for me, uh, life is funny, even when it's like really shitty. Yeah. Things are always funny. Mm -hmm. uh, because no matter how bad one thing gets, like if you see a fucking puppy eat shit on yeah. the ground after yeah. chasing a ball, you're gonna laugh. Oh yeah. Because it's funny. So I think that romance being a vehicle for comedy, I think is definitely the best way to go. Which is why, like, like I love you, Philip Morris, did mm -hmm. that really well. Where like every comedic moment. Yeah was delivered by the romantic elements mm -hmm. instead of the romance being delivered by the comedic elements. Yep. And what that does is create a nice dynamic where the relationship between the character feels more natural yep. uh, because they're just kind of going through life. And I think it just reflects the human condition a lot better when romance... Like, there, there's room for your romantic scenes. Mm -hmm. There's room for, like, your purely romance elements in a movie, yep. even if it's a rom-com. Mm -hmm. But... When you start to stretch out, stretch that out too thinly, then the movie becomes a bit shit, in my opinion. It's I w almost wish we would have brought in a, a female person in just so we could have an unbiased opinion, because <laughs> her take on it probably would be that you can lower some of that comedic stuff and give me more of the love and the relationship between the two people that we think is shit, you know? Yeah. But it's just the demographic that they're selling it to. I think that a, a woman would probably love those aspects of the movie and want more of it. That's true. I'm you also, know? like, an incredibly, like, angry person. Yeah, 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 yeah so. <laughs> so, like, every time I see two people, like, happy, even if it's a comedy, I go, like, ah, it's going to go to shit. In, like, three weeks, they're going to fucking have a fight yeah. about how he looked at her sister's ass or something. Mm -hmm. And then it's just gonna go to shit for like a week. Yeah. They're gonna have like angry sex because they have no other catharsis. Yeah. And they're gonna get back together. Like that's my thought pattern when oh. I'm watching like a fucking romantic comedy. Mm. So I guess I just can't enjoy them because I'm not in that emotional state. I got you. Yeah. Um, but I, I really do think that romantic comedies suffer from being too bland in the sense of like this is a romance, so we gotta push the romance huh? instead of just letting a good comedy have romance in it and for they us. work in tandem. For us, yeah. Yeah. So that's why I don't like him. That's why I like movies like Punch Drunk Love mm -hmm. and I Love You, Philip Morris. Yeah. Because those are movies that are like, in tone, funny. Yes. They're not silly. They're not unrealistic. Mm -hmm. They just take the darkness out of a dark period of someone's life yeah. and they make it funny. Yeah. And then they add romance into it. Mm -hmm. And that's what I really like in a romantic comedy. Same. Like I said, I, I could yeah. do without the romance, you know, but for... The people that love the romance, they would totally agree and disagree with us. Oh, yeah, you know, totally. But, but, it's like, but like I said, it's just I'm more into comedy, you're more into comedy than romance. But we're going to go down a list of movies that we do believe are excellent romantic Fantastic, comedy movies. Yeah, absolutely. Number one for me, that was Annie Hall. And you said something about uh, Philip Morris. I love you, Philip Morris. Yeah, but before I do that, because I posted on Facebook, and I because mm -hmm. I said, hey, I can't stand romantic comedies, but I'm doing an episode on them. Yeah. So give me your best romantic comedies. Mm -hmm. And I got like a surprising good amount of responses. That's right. Uh, some people uh, uh, suggested Warm Bodies. Warm Bodies. The is that a rom-com? Yeah. That I is a rom-com. So. Yeah, that yeah. is a rom-com. Yeah. I feel that one's pretty good. It's one. It's like a more... It's like your typical romantic comedy, but it's a little bit gruesome in humor. With zombies. Exactly. And so This Means War with Chris Pine. I've see never that. seen it. Mm -hmm. uh, Just Like Heaven. Never seen Who's it. That? I don't is know. Is that uh, the Chris Rock movie? I don't know. I, That's Down From Heaven. Yeah. Just, just Like Heaven. That might be... Uh, Shit, I can just say that might be damn anybody. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I don't know. Just like heaven. I think it's Robin Williams, but go ahead, yeah. Uh, Punch Drunk Love, they suggested it. Uh, His Girl Friday was also yes. a good one. Oh, wow. I haven't seen that one. Uh, bring him up, bringing Up Baby was a good one. Bringing Up Baby? Yeah. I don't fucking know. Mm -hmm. uh, blended, comma. I mean, Blended, yeah. and then 51st Dates, two Adam Sandler movies. 
Uh, Cry Baby. I think that's a romantic comedy musical. That's the um, the Johnny Depp movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think so. Yep. It was a good one. I actually saw mm-hmm. it. Uh, the Philadelphia Story was another one that they recommended me a lot. I've seen Philadelphia, not the Philadelphia Story. Are they talking about the Tom Hanks and uh, Denzel Washington movie? Maybe. Yeah. And then Harry Met Sally. That's the movie I was talking about, yeah. just trying to get to, when Harry Met Sally. Now, that's that's a, a romantic movie that yeah. has comedic elements because Billy Crystal is in it, you know? But I think it still carries. Pretty good. And then, and then you've got Mail. Or like the ones that I got suggested. Yeah. And so I didn't get a chance to watch all of them because I've been so busy this weekend. Yeah. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna watch a lot of them. You have a terrible few weeks ahead of you then. Yeah. <laughs> all those romantic movies. Yeah. <sighs> Pretty awful. But uh, but okay, let's make a different a differentiation because I feel like I'm judging rom coms and trying to be comedies more than romances. Mm-hmm. I think there's as a spectrum for rom coms whether you want to push more romance and more comedy. Okay. Or whether you want to push more comedy and more romance. Yep. Obviously, I like, it tends to tip the scales towards more comedy Same. than romance. Me too. But it's not to say that a movie that has more romance than comedy isn't as good. Is is bad or mm. not as good as it's the just other not one? My preference. Yes. But for me, for a movie that pushes more romance than comedy to mm. be really, really good, mm. it has to be really, really, really fucking good, so that I can so that I can break that sort of bias okay. against comedy. Definitely. So like, there's definitely romantic comedies that I watch, like The Notebook. I fucking hated The Notebook. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, but but do you recognize it as a good movie? It is a good movie, but I fucking hated it. Exactly, me too. I don't like it, but I do (laughs) recognize it as a very good movie. So I think that's the difference between what I'm trying to say. I'm not saying that I hate all rom coms. I'm saying that most rom coms aren't good for me, but they're good movies. Yeah, yeah. So So. I think that's what I'm trying to say in terms of gender. I don't want to bring down the whole gender thing. No, no. Like I said, I'm. You know, preface that, like I said, I'm not into romance. Not into it. And if you do a romantic comedy, I would appreciate there to be more comedy than romance for myself. Exactly. <laughs> you know, but... Um, yeah. Let's talk about uh, the movies that we picked. Mm-hmm. You obviously picked Annie Hall. Yep. You, you, you talked a little bit about it. Mm-hmm. We both watched I Love Thee, Philip Morris, mm-hmm. which I thought was one of the most unconventionally funny and cute movies that I've seen in a long time. Yeah, unconventional. That You hit the nail on the head. Yeah, it's it's a weird movie because it, it doesn't, it shouldn't make sense, but it does. Mm-hmm. It's like okay, if you haven't watched uh, "I Love You, Philip Morris," it's essentially Jim Carrey plays a cop mm-hmm. that realizes that he's gay, <laughs> but when he realizes that he's gay, he adopts a really flamboyant lifestyle. Oh yeah, and starts spending money, and he runs, he gets broke, so he becomes a con man and starts doing like uh, banking fraud and license fraud and all this shit. Yeah. And he gets arrested eventually, gets sent to jail where he meets Ewan McGregor and they fall in love and their whole journey goes through there with uh, John, with, uh, I was called him Johnny Depp, with <laughs> Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey, yeah. Uh, Jim Carrey sort of going through his own mental illness and going through like his definition of identity and love and all that shit. And until they can finally meet and become like the couple that I think they wanted to be. Yeah. Uh, but it's a, it's a movie that's, it's weird. It's yeah. weird. Because, like, for the first 40 minutes of the movie, it's just Jim Carrey. Yeah. And then he goes to jail, and he just meets Ewan McGregor, who, by the way, looks nothing like Obi-Wan in this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. Like, Ewan McGregor has an ability to sh- turn his face He's a really good weird. actor. He's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, he's every paper, like, train spotting Obi, like, Star Wars and fucking uh, this guy. No, I have no clue it would be the same guy if you didn't tell yeah. me. Oh, yeah. Uh, so like the, he meets uh, Edwin McGregor character and he starts sort of flirting with him and whatnot. Yep. And Jim Carrey's kind of a big shot in prison because he's been there a while and he's yep. a con man. Yep. So he starts like taking care of him and like 
helping him out with uh, with like jail things. Like, hey, you want some music? And send him chocolates and shit. And mm-hmm. starts being cute. Yeah. And they sort of fall in love. And James Carey ends up moving into his cell. And they become like an actual couple while they're in prison. Mm-hmm. And then Jim Carey manages to get them released by faking that he's a fucking lawyer. And then it's fucked up. Jim Carrey does some fucked up shit in this movie. Oh, yeah. Um, but it's about Jim Carrey sort of... I think it's about identity, too. This movie's all about, like, identity. Yeah. And, like, what does it take... There's even a point where Aaron McGregor is like, you, you don't know who you are because mm-hmm. you've been lying so long. And it's not even about, like, his sexual identity. Yeah. You know, it's who he is as a person. Like, he doesn't know who he is and what he should be doing with his life, you know? Yeah. And that's another thing. It doesn't feel like a gay romance. No. It just feels like a romance. Because yeah. it's like, it's very realistic, very well paced. Oh, yeah. But the humor in that movie is so fucking perfect for yeah. what I try to do. Yeah. Like, I think the Jim Carrey starts like this kind of bland man. Mm. And as he discovers that he's this gay, flamboyant male, and he starts discovering that he's a big shot in prison, he starts sort of becoming like more self confident. Yeah. And like, yeah. starts being a bit of a dick. He does. <laughs> and yeah. So it was just like a really good twist on gay romance yeah and gay romantic comedies because romantic comedies are one thing but usually there tends to be a huge gap between romantic comedies and gay romantic comedies yeah Uh, i think i've only seen one other one uh the breakup club or the heartbreak club with dean cain uh was in it he played a gay character yeah that's the only gay or a transparent on television you know so it's not done well very often so this was really nice it was it was a huge surprise yeah. Um, because usually they push the gay factor too high mm-hmm. and in here they did that but they did it for funny yeah. they did it to be funny and that could have went wrong exactly <laughs> that could have went <laughs> way wrong and it also helps that you have two really confident actors yeah. playing these characters because yeah. uh, even though Jim Carrey's flamboyant it never felt like he was going on stereotypes or yeah. bra- or like insulting anyone that's perfect yeah. it felt like it, that was Jim Carrey's personality in that yeah. movie same with Ian McGregor you saw like the lesbian stereotypically more feminine gay guy yeah but it felt really really natural which which i applaud him for same because uh it could go it can go really really wrong really really quickly in that type of movie oh yeah what were your thoughts on philip morris i seen philip morris um about a year and a half ago two years ago Mm -hmm. and my first thought was oh my god jim carrey took a gay role (laughs) that, that was the first thought you know and after about it took probably an hour into it before i got over that aspect of it and and took it for then, then my next thought was Jim Carrey is doing a hell of a job acting right now yeah. <laughs> you know and my second because I was lost in that this is Jim Carrey playing a gay person and that went away from me at that point and then I had to look at him again I'm like this person is playing a hell of a role next to Ewan McGregor you know yeah. so I mean even outside of the comedy and the romance of it it was just two actors that did a hell of a job the writing of it the the actors work in it I mean, it's it's some of Jim Carrey's top seven or eight work that he's done. Yeah, absolutely. critically at least. I think so. I mean, Carrey's got this weird thing because he's sort of been trapped in his comedic roles because he was such a physical comedian mm-hmm. that every every time he does a drama, you can you sort of can disassociate him from the comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it works. It works in this movie. Yeah. I don't know what it is about this movie, but it fucking works. Yes, it does. I love you, Philip Morris. Is easily one of my favorite romantic comedies it's in my top 10 15 yeah yeah and i think it's because it had the perfect balance of comedy and romance it does. I was like okay this is cute and then i had let's break it let's break the tension down with something funny and and there's definite romance oh yeah there's definite romance in philip moore's but the comedy is shot up to a 15 you know it's just like with the raunchy flamboyantness of it whenever there is time for comedy you don't get a little piece of comedy you get big comedy exactly when you do deliver it you know 
And when they deliver the romance, you get the same. You get exactly. You get the exact same. So yeah. it never feels like it's more romantic than they comedy. Yeah. It feels like a perfect mix of the two genres. Yeah. Which I appreciated. Yeah. yeah. And it was also the humor was really dark. It was. Too. Yeah. Uh, like, spoiler alert, uh, Jim Carrey fakes his death mm. by saying that he has AIDS. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> and then the movie goes through like the sequence where it shows like him getting skinny and getting the diagnosis. Yeah. And then you're like, ah, shit, and Carrie's going to die. And then Al McGregor finds out and he's all bummed out and mm-hmm. crying. And he calls the hospital and he's like, you weren't supposed to find out. And then Jim Carrey like dies. Yeah. And then Al McGregor cries. And the next scene, it cuts to, hey, your lawyer's here. And you're like, wait, what the fuck? And Jim Carrey's standing in the fucking office. Mm-hmm. Pretending to be Edward McGregor's liar again. And he yeah. goes through the whole spiel about how he faked dying of AIDS. And you're like, holy shit. That could have been so offensive for so many people. Yes. And it just, I appreciate the risk of like taking something that's as socially dangerous as having a it gay was. couple. Yeah. As socially apprehensive as having a gay couple and someone dying of AIDS and a gay yeah. couple. Yeah. And then just put a funny spin on it. I appreciated the shit out of it. Yeah, it was good. Too. It was really, really good. Yep. What was your other movie on the list? Punch Drunk Love. Punch Drunk Love. Punch Drunk Love, directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. He wrote and directed it, uh, starring Adam Sadler, uh, Emily Watson, and he was one of my favorite actors Philip ever. Seymour Hoffman. Philip Seymour Hoffman. He was one of my favorite actors that, that did it. I mean, he um, he was in a movie called The Masters. Um, I mean, there's num- numerous movies. I mean, I loved him, and I'm missing the sad that he's gone. Yeah. Um, another guy named uh, Louis Guzman. He is... He's like, he's what I call the glue guy. Now, <laughs> and there, there's a number of glue guys in any scenario, whether it's a soccer team, uh, whether it's in acting, no matter what it is, you need the one person that can do a lot of everything mm-hmm. and can bring everything together. Luis Guzman is that guy. Is that the guy that worked with him in the in the garage? In the in his business or whatever? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, 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 yeah the yeah. Hispanic dude? Yep. Yes. He was in a Boogie Nights. He was in um, How to Make It in America. That was on HBO. <laughs> I can't wait to see him in more stuff because this guy, he's an incredible actor and he can damn near do anything. If you don't know who he is, take Ron Perlman, mm-hmm. take away the shin and make him Hispanic. That's, there you go. That's Louis, uh, what's his Louis name? Guzman. Louis Guzman. Yeah, he's really, really good. And um, the, sa- the same guy, uh, we we're talking about John Bryan, uh, that did the soundtrack for Punch Drunk Love. He's, like I said, we, he worked on um, Kanye West album, Late Registration. He worked on The Breakup from mm-hmm. um, with Jennifer Aniston and, and uh, Vince Vaughn. And he also worked on Eternal Sunshine of a Spotless Mind. That was uh, the film with uh, Jim Carrey and um, I forget the other, other actress's name. But yeah, so it's an incredible soundtrack. Now, getting it, getting into the movie. <laughs> let's get let's take a quick rundown of the plot because it's a mm-hmm. it's a bit of a weird plot. Oh yeah. Uh, Adam Sandler is kind of like the socially inept mm-hmm. uh, person. He has some mental issues. Mm-hmm. With being socially awkward and, like, growing up in a family of, like, really seven aggressive sisters. Yeah, very verbally abusive, yeah. Yeah, so he's kind of like, he's kind of like a shot. I would almost call him, like, a high-functioning autist in this movie. Like, he feels in that kind of spectrum. I can see that. And and so he's got his own business and he's socially awkward. And one day he's lonely and he calls a phone sex line. Yeah. And they ask him for his credit card information and social security number and whatnot. He gives it to him. He talks to a lady named Georgia. And the next day, Georgia calls and says, hey, I need some money. Mm-hmm. And it was like, well, I can't afford that. 
And then shit goes wrong because it turns out that the phone sex line is just like a scam. Yeah, she she basically begins to extort him. Exactly. You know, on the uh, the premise that now she's going to give all of his business out that he's calling phone sex lines and ruin his life because of this. You know, so she has four brothers that she sends to extort that money from him. Exactly. Yeah. And not to mention that because Adam Sandler's uh, character is so awkward, oh, yeah. he wants to avoid this at all costs. Mm-hmm. So this is like a huge shaking of his world. Yeah. Oh, oh the uh, with the sisters that uh, that comes into it with he avoids confrontation at every account that he can. Mm-hmm. You know, he bottles it up, bottles it up, bottles it up to the point to where he breaks out. And they show a scene. I think it's close to the beginning where he breaks the uh, the sliding glass door, mm-hmm. something like that, just from bottling everything up or just going into a room and just screaming and letting it all out. You know, so he avoids confrontation at every angle okay. that he can. And uh, but the movie. It's, it's fucking weird. It's a fucking weird movie. Mm-hmm. And so, like, after when trying to avoid all this confrontation and whatever, uh, he falls in love mm-hmm. <laughs> with one of his sister's friends. And you have their whole romance story happening. But at the same time, you got the threat of the phone sex line scandal yeah. looming over the back of his head. So he's trying to deal with that mm-hmm. as he tries to not fuck up the relationship with this, with this girl. Mm-hmm. And it sort of goes back and forth between those two plot lines. Yeah, and now um, what it puts Adam Sandler in a position, the person that never wanted conflict or confrontation, now he has a reason to stand up for himself mm-hmm. and his woman now. You exactly. Know, this, uh, this new girlfriend. So in order to, to keep her safe and to keep his relationship you know, going, then he actually has to stand up to this phone sex operator and her four thug brothers. That Which are coming towards leads to two of my favorite scenes in the whole movie. Mm-hmm. Which is when the four brothers come after they're coming back from Hawaii, mm-hmm. uh, the four brothers hit him and hit the car, mm-hmm. and like Adam Sandler, not a scratch on him, fucking takes out of the car and kicks this guy's ass. Oh, well, the, the well, first, what what set that off is the girlfriend. The girlfriend. He looks at the girlfriend, and then you just see a drip of blood sliding down her face as she turns to him, mm-hmm. and he sees that, and it sets him off. Because, like we said earlier, he's not for confrontation, mm-hmm. you know. So, I mean, but seeing that. That made him snap all the way off. He took on four people on his own right there. You know? Yeah, no, and after a like, like that, that was one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Oh, yeah. And then my confrontation with Philip Seymour Hoffman, yes. which is, I mean, maybe, what, two minutes, three minutes of the whole movie? Oh, you're talking about the end? I'm talking about just, Hoffman is on screen like maybe five minutes. Oh, yeah, he's not on the screen much at all. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, it's, and it works really perfectly. Oh, Hoffman's yeah. running the, the scam. Mm-hmm. And he goes all the way from L.A. to Utah mm-hmm. to tell this guy, I'm not a fucking pervert. Yes. Stop hunting me down and whatever. He drives all the way out there to finally stand <laughs> up for himself and make, have the confrontation. Exactly. And it's such a good movie. And yeah. at the end, he goes and he like, hey, sorry, I left you at the hospital. I called the phone sex line. Things are fucked up. And mm-hmm. I took care of it. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of like the general plot of the movie. And it's not doing it justice because it's really like a charming movie. It is. It is. And like I said, the soundtrack's amazing. The actors in it are really good. And it's just put together very, very, very well. Yeah. We didn't even talk about the um, what's one of the weird things that he does. Like you say, he, he might fit on the autistic scale a bit. Just his character mm-hmm. seems that way. Um, he has an idea that um, the, the, the scam with the yogurt, I believe yeah. it was. The pudding. Yeah, pudding. the pudding. Pudding. So I can't remember what the, the scam was, but he felt like he could buy enough pudding to get frequent flyer miles or something like that. And if he could just buy enough pudding, then he could have fly forever. Yeah, know? it was like the American Airlines had a promotion with like Healthy Choice. Mm-hmm. And they were going to give you like 500 frequent flyer miles for every 10 cups of pudding. Yeah. 
and he just oh, the bought, four packs. Yeah, but, four packs. Yeah. But they were they were making four packs, and on each individual pack, they were putting a stamp on the individual cups. So he thought that he found a loop in the system. So then, so now he is stocked up to the brim full of pudding. <laughs> you know that he never plans to eat. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's the kind of character that that he is. You know, so if you're into movies like that with characters like that, then I think they're weird characters. It. But another thing I want to give this movie commendation for is mm -hmm. because. It's another movie that can go horribly wrong because you've got a person that's obviously mentally ill. Yeah, yes. And it can get to the terms of offensive. Yeah. Uh, but again, handled perfectly well. Uh, we see the sort of, he doesn't make eye contact. He's yeah. dealing with the super confrontational sisters. Yep. And like at the beginning, you show him he's trying to sell you a plunger to like one of the guys. Yeah. And the sisters keep calling. It's like, hey, you coming to the party? It's like, yeah, I'm going to. You come into the party? Yeah, yeah you come to the party. Yeah. And it's like, how many sisters do you have? And he's like, oh, seven. Seven. <laughs> seven. <laughs> really? So, like, just the way that his character is portrayed makes me wish that Adam Sandler did more movies like that. Because oh. he's good in this movie. He's really fucking good. He, he does. He's my, so good. My next movie up is another Adam Sandler movie, a romantic comedy, Spanglish. Spanglish. All oh, right, yeah. let me do finishing thoughts on Punch Drunk Club. Mm -hmm. If you're looking for a movie that deals with like sort of the beauty mm. of not knowing how to handle yourself and mm. sort of being able to stand up for yourself in the midst of like things that aren't healthy for you, yeah, uh, and you want to see someone like sort of overcome that article and see that love really does kind of have its weird place in the world, yeah, then Punch Drunk Love is a perfect movie. It is because it's an unlikely character falling in love with an even unlikelier character. Mm -hmm. And then all the shit that happens is a result of him falling in love. Yeah. So I think that the falling in love helps him find himself. Mm. And that's ultimately the greatness of the movie. It's like oddly charming. It is. And it's good. And Adam Sandler is fucking fantastic. Uh, I'm guessing uh, Watson, Emily Watson? Emily Watson. Was the, the actress, the main lead mm -hmm. actress. Yep. She was good. And it's just a good fucking movie. It Let's is. go watch it. Highly sure recommend. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and like I said, the, uh, my last one was uh, Spanglish. Um, that's another Adam Sandler movie. I honestly... After the year 2005 or so, I'm fine with ha not having him do any strict comedies any longer. Yeah. I'm good. <laughs> you know? I mean, if he only does the romantic comedies from here on out, I'm fine. But uh, Spanglish came out in 2004. If you didn't see it or hear about it, the reason behind that is they spent $80 million making the movie, and it only made $55 million worldwide. Oh, shit. Yeah. yeah. So it's like it, it, it's it was a, a flop. It's a complete flop in, in terms of making your money back. But I I adored this movie. It's a 2004 Spanglish written and directed by James L. Brooks, starring Adam Sadler, Paz Vega. If you don't know her, she's her acting ability is top notch, and she's not hard to look at. T. Um, <laughs> Leone, she's in it as well. She's really really good in it. But um, well, basically, is uh, Paz Vega. She's a um, she's a poor Mexican single mother. She just moved to the states. And she's having trouble raising her single daughter on her own. Okay. So, so eventually, she uh, she takes a job as a nanny for Adam Sadler and his wife. Okay. You know, but um, Paz Vega's character's name is Flor. Okay. Now, this white family is very white. To where <laughs> even in living in California, to where there's so much diversity there, they don't know the first part of Spanish, any of it. Mm -hmm. You know, to the point to where they can't even pronounce Flor. They're just calling her Flor. <laughs> you know, it's like, no, you know, anyway, it's um, just that dynamic of trying to communicate with each other and just the everyday, you know, life that they had to live with someone that can't communicate with them directly was just the sweetest thing ever. And then they showed they showed one aspect of it, just how um, Paz Vega's character had to interact with the family dog. 
Now, <laughs> like neither one of them could communicate with words, but mm-hmm. you still had to find a way to communicate what you wanted, you know. And I, I really love that aspect of it, you know, just that words aren't everything. Yeah. You know? And a lot of the things that were communicated with each other were through eyes, were through human contact, were through just your your body language, you know. And I I, I enjoyed it thoroughly. I mean, it's it's more than just a romantic comedy. It it goes into how we deal with each other on a human aspect. Okay. Really, really. Well, definitely good. have to check it out. Oh yeah. Like like I said, it's it's a bomb. <laughs> now, <laughs> the ratings for it aren't good. The it didn't make much money, mm-hmm. you know, but. If you're interested in that aspect, like I said, it's just like a fish out of water. She speaks no no English. They speak no Spanish, and it's just that. But it's not silly in yeah. the way that that sounds, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's just kind of like figure out how to be a person. Yeah, yeah. Pretty much. And they have to figure out how to live with this person that's there now, you know? And then the daughter who, you know, just, just like I guess uh, pretty often now, the daughter, she's completely assimilated into American culture. Mm-hmm. I mean, she speaks Spanish and English very fluently, can go back and forth with no problem. And she has no problem with the cultural differences that her mom does. Yeah. You know, so it's just, it, it goes into the, the difference between Mexican culture and American culture, just how much family matters, you know, to, to them. Like I said, it's, she came directly from Mexico and there for her, family was everything. You mm-hmm. know, and bringing that to America, family was still everything to her. But Adam Sadler and their family wasn't so much. Yeah. You know? I think it's funny because that's, that's an interesting concept because that's exactly my internal issue. Because mm-hmm. I'm Hispanic. Yeah. I came from Puerto Rico and mm-hmm. everyone's like, family's like the most important thing. Mm-hmm. But I'm also really culturally white because mm-hmm. I grew up watching a lot of white things yeah. on television. Yeah. So, like, I always have the internal struggle of, like, well, do I... What do I do? Do I like help the family? Do I not like? Am I selfish yeah. for not wanting to do this? So I feel like that would be an interesting movie. It is. In terms of uh, cinematography, because we didn't talk about it when we mentioned Drunk Punch, Drunk Love. Oh yeah. The camera work for Punch Drunk Love. A1. It's incredible. It's yes. really good. They they're a fan of long takes and yeah. a fan of like the camera movement expressing the emotion of the character. Yeah. Like there's one point where Adam Sandler is sitting in a chair talking to the phone sex line for the first time. Yeah. And he's sitting in his coffee table and the camera keeps sort of panning from him to the empty space in the table yeah. that has two shot seekers and a, and a mat to eat. Mm-hmm. And it kind of pans back and forth back and like forth. four times. Yeah. And like the camera work in the movie was so exceptionally good at telling you what emotion he was feeling. Because mm-hmm. his character can't portray much emotion. No, it can't. Because it's, it's a side effect of being non-confrontational mm-hmm. and bottling everything up. Yeah. So the fact that the camera does it for him is really good directing and it really is. good cinematography. It is. I just I just wanted to give it a mention there because I was, forgot to say that. Oh, that's A1. Yeah. What else you got? Uh, that's it as far as um the rom-coms that we had. You know, um only thing we have is our last segment of premieres. Unless premieres? you wanted to uh, tie everything together. Okay, yeah, I, I think that the reason we decided to do this episode is because I think it's both uh, it's outside of both of our comfort zones. Yes. Like when we talked last last week about Frank, we were mm. very much inside oh a comfort zone. Oh my god, yeah. Uh, but this movies take us out of it. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's always good to watch things that don't let you be yourself or yeah. don't let you sort of look at them with the same eye that you look at everything else. Yeah. And I think that's what rom-coms are for me at the end of the day. I hate them because they're not me yeah but i appreciate them because they're not me there we go. Uh, they make me look at relationships differently they make me look at people differently yeah and especially when a movie can make me laugh about the shitty things that happen while in a relationship mm-hmm. i appreciate it but i just simply appreciate the fact that there's a genre out there 
that forces me to look outside of myself, yeah. even if I don't like it. No. Uh, so I think that's how I feel about romantic comedies. I will watch a romantic comedy mm. and I'll bitch about it. But at the end of the day, romantic comedy is something that I want to happen in my life. And yeah. I think that's why they bum me out so much. Yeah, I see that. Yeah. But I, at the end of the day, I'm not knocking anyone's preference down. It's just I'm an angry, bitter man of the world sometimes. And romantic comedies remind me that I shouldn't be. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's it. That's it for romantic comedies for me. I don't, one, one more thing. I don't. Did we swear like at all? In that, in that? I th- I did we? I Fuck shit ass bitch cunt. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> <All right. laughs> so that uh, that ends that segment. <laughs> just saying, if I can just get it all in at one time. <laughs> you know, they, they were expecting some swearing, you know, and we just thirty minutes of of none of it, so. Oh, that fucking turn into George Carling at the end. Yeah. <laughs> Shit, piss, cut, motherfucker, and tits. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> All right, thank you guys for watching. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Romantic Comedies. We're going to take a little break, and we're going to come back to you through the things that are coming out this week mm-hmm. uh, until the next podcast. So. <laughs> All right, stay tuned, guys. Stay tuned. Cheers. They finally started making the phones big enough to where it's like, you, they have the small, tiny phones to where you watch a porn on it, you can barely see the, the guy's dick. You can barely see the guy's dick in a tiny little phone. What's the point of that? How do you even know that she's being punished the way that she should be with a tiny phone? That you can barely see anything on it. She's being punished? Yes! It's like at least if you have an iPad or a large size phone, you can see that she that that the sounds that she's making are adequate because she's getting plowed by like an 11-inch dick. You know? You know what? You know what my favorite thing about this conversation is that at some point, because you got a bigger phone recently, yeah. So that means that you've watched porn on your on phone, on the phone, and then you've gone like, "Holy shit, this yes. is amazing!" Yes, I and see why she's screaming. That's a large <laughs> penis. I couldn't see that large penis on the small phone. I was just like, "What the fuck? You're you're overacting. You're, 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 why are you screaming that much? You get the larger phone with the iPad, like, oh, okay, all right. Well, I get it now. I, I fucking I fucking get it. Yes, it's a big dick. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm sure some of that will be edited out. And welcome back to For Film's Sake. Um, this is our... Uh, <laughs> this is going to be our premieres for the week of uh, February the uh, 18th through the 24th. <laughs> All right. Uh, start. Uh, I'm sorry. Let's go. T- <laughs> oh, God. Oh, shit. That's fucking great. <laughs> What are, what have we got coming out this week, Chris? This week, um, this Thursday on uh, CBS, Two Broke Girls. Now, <laughs> is the, it Two Broke Girls with like an eleven inch finished? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think CBS is broadcasting that kind of entertainment. <laughs> Their viewership would have gone through the roof. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Two Broke Girls. What's that? Two Two Broke Girls. It's on CBS at nine thirty p.m. Uh, written by Whitney Cummings. Okay, you know, and um, starring Kat Dennings. Kat Dennings. Kat Dennings, she was in um, 40-Year-Old Virgin. Oh, okay. She was a daughter. Okay. Now, Kat Dennings, there's only two reasons why I even watch Two Broke Girls, and Kat Dennings is both of them. (laughs) If you you see what I'm saying here. (laughs) All right. So so Kat Kat Dennings is the reason why I'm watching Two Broke Girls. It's not even a great show. 
but it's been on CBS for a number of years. It's in syndication now, so it's mm -hmm. going to be around. It's like one of those um, How I Met Your Mother, Big Bang Theory. You know, it's not a great, great show, but it's on television. It's there a lot. Yeah, and it's so going to be there. got watch it it's gonna so be often. Yeah. yeah, could be good to start recording. All, All right. right, sorry about that. My microphone fucked up. <laughs> All good. So we were talking about uh, Tuber Girls going to be in television a lot. Yep. What else? Uh, yeah, that's 930. Uh, the next show is on uh, February the 19th, uh, that Friday. It's called Love. I think you've seen the uh, the trailer for it on Netflix. Okay. It's yeah, I think I actually added it on my list. Mm -hmm. That's it's like the lead actress is like a blonde girl, yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Gillian Jacobs. Gillian Jacobs. She was in, um, most popularly, she was in uh, The Community. Okay. Yeah. yeah. She was in that. And now um, it's, it's going to be, it's directed and uh, produced by Judd Apatow. Okay. Yeah. So if you've seen 40 year old version, this is Pretty 40. Um, knocked up. That's like um, a good fucking movie. You know, just just anything basically with Seth Rogen or Paul Rudd or <laughs> Or Steve Carell. Or Steve Carell, you know. It's like, yeah. That's the fucking guy. And um, February the 21st, the show named Girls is coming Girls. back on HBO. What is, I've heard a lot about that show, but I, I don't know what the fuck it is. It's, it's, it's still good. It, 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 I want to say it's really good because mm -hmm. the first two seasons were amazing just because there was nothing else on television like it, you mm -hmm. know, but... That it premiered in 2013, I believe. Okay. You know, so since then, uh, television for women uh, specifically has gotten a little more progressive. You know, because before we were only seeing one aspect of women's life. Oh, they're dainty. They're pretty. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't fart, burp, or shit. You know, <laughs> and it's like Lena Dunham just completely threw that out the window. Lena Dunham. That's yeah. why that name sounds familiar. Yeah. There you go. Lena Dunham threw it all the way out the window. I mean, she's not traditionally attractive. Mm -hmm. She's what you would call plus size, but she's a regular looking woman. You yeah. know, is and and she's not afraid or ashamed of to show her body at all. And I mean, I applaud her for it. You know. Oh, and also Adam Driver. Adam Driver. Yeah, yeah. he's the. Um, I don't know if he's going to be in this season. That's why I know that name because when I was researching Adam Driver after Star Wars, his name came up in Girls. Yeah. That's why I know it. Yeah, he was uh, he was the main star for um, the first few seasons. With him getting all this work that he's getting now, I'm not sure how much he's going to be on the show anymore. Yeah. But um, he's on there. And um, just speaking of Judd Apatow, he's a producer for Girls. Okay. He's the one that started the show together. Um, the next show um, that same Sunday, February the twenty first, Togetherness. Togetherness. That sounds also familiar. I've heard about that. That's um, the Duplass brothers, uh, Mark Duplass and Jay Duplass. Mm -hmm. They uh, they do this show on HBO. And it's what you would cl classify as a romantic comedy. Okay. It would be classified as that, but it's a completely different take. It's going into marriage. After you've been with somebody for three, four, and five years, mm -hmm. you've woke up in the same bed with that same person, looking at them, and it's just showing what happens when things start to break apart, but you want to keep it together. Okay. You know? So, I mean, it's it's just showing the other side of marriage that isn't all happy, but isn't just terrible either. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just showing the realistic part of marriage. There are bad times, there's good times, and you work through it. Okay. Continue to be, you know. Sounds interesting. Togetherness. Um, that's all the premieres for television this week. Movies, there weren't a lot. The um, There's a movie called, coming out called The Witch. The Yeah, mm -hmm. I've, I've heard some reviews about that. Mm -hmm. People like it. Yeah, the, yeah, the Rotten Tomatoes was giving it a good review. It's, uh, it's in the horror genre. And it was written and uh, directed by Robert Eggers. Okay. So, check that out. And the movie that I probably will be going to see is Race. Race. It's a biopic about Jesse Owens. Jesse so, Owens. Jesse Owens was a, um, a uh, an Olympic athlete uh, back when um, when uh, Adolf Hitler was in power. Right. He was the Black Power dude, right? Uh, no, he wasn't Black Power dude, but it's, it's, it was going on around the same era. Yeah. But... Um, 
But yeah, it was just that he he was a, a black athlete that was trying to break the stereotypes of just racing in in, in general. Just that mm-hmm. what was what was going on in America. You know, we had the big race war of black versus white, mm-hmm. but there was an entire different war that was going on in the world with World, world War Two. Yeah. You know, so um, that that biopic goes into Jesse Owens, the struggle that he had to go through just as a, a black athlete in America when we were dealing with an entirely different war. You know, going mm-hmm. on at the same time. I think I saw trailers for that. That looked really good. Mm-hmm. That looked yeah. really fantastic. Yeah. Uh, man, that, that's a short list for this month. For yeah, this, this week. This week. Yeah, because yeah, like, we usually have like fucking a like page and a half. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, no, I'm excited for like I, I kind of want to check out Girls. Mm. I'm, I think I'm going to try to get an HBO membership mm. because I got a lot of good shows that I want to check out, but yeah. I, I haven't checked them out because they're like $15 a month <laughs> for yeah. a membership. Yeah. Uh, but I will check some of those out. Those look pretty interesting. Race is one of those movies that I'm probably not going to go see in theaters yeah. just because I'm broke. No. <laughs> yeah, uh, understandable. Yeah. <laughs> But the f- the first chance I can catch it outside of theaters, I'm probably gonna do it because it looks really fucking good. Oh yeah. And I don't I don't know, man. I I think that the next few months are gonna be kind of like a little dry, a little dry for movies. Yeah. Because we're waiting for kind of like the big summer blockbusters. Yeah. Um. But I I'm interested to see what comes out in 2016 because we we already had Deadpool. Mm-hmm. Which was a great start to a great start to the year, yeah. in my opinion. And we should talk about that uh, next episode. We should, yeah. Even if we only give it ten minutes or so, but I'll be going to see that before we record the next episode. And yeah. if it's as good as people have been talking about, I'm sure I'll have something to say about you, it. Too. I'm sure you will. Yeah. I'm sure you will. So, like, but that was a good start to the year. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping that it doesn't run dry until uh, summer. Summer at least, yeah. which is when we're gonna have like kind of like the buck blustery superhero yeah. movies oh, coming yeah. out. Yeah. Uh, we got a couple coming out in March. Daredevil comes out in March too. Yes. The season two. Yes. Super excited about that show because I love that show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think there's anything else coming out in terms of like the next few months that's worth mentioning. Mm-hmm. But we'll see them whenever we get to the podcast. Yeah, and we'll let you know about it the weekend events. Absolutely. And also, just one last thought on romantic comedies mm-hmm. because I feel like like I'm leaving a bad taste in people's mouth okay. with romantic comedies. All right. They're fine. <laughs> They're ultimately fine. Oh, nobody can like say anything about your preferences. No, no, no. Know? I know they can. I know they can. But it's like I, I don't uh, fucking. They make me angry, man. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I was like, I mean, I take shit like all the time for not liking action movies as a man, as a man. You know, it's like what the fuck? You don't like action? Like no, fuck you. I don't. So what? <laughs> you know, yeah. if someone has beef with you not liking romantic comedies, go fuck yourself. Like that's yeah. true. Yeah. I, I like that approach. Like ah, go fuck yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, do you, what do you want from me? I don't know, but. Uh, like, listen, if you want good romantic comedies, mm-hmm. the movies that I mentioned that were suggested to me by, like, my Facebook friends, mm-hmm. those are good movies. Spe- particularly watch Punch Drunk Love. Oh, please. And yes. uh, I Love You, Philip Morris. Mm-hmm. Those are fantastic movies. Annie Hall. Classic. Annie Hall as well. Yes. I'm going to go watch that one soon. Oh, yeah. um, but romantic, ultimately, at the end of the day, I think that movies are a way for us to escape reality. Mm-hmm. And romantic comedies is one of the most relatable fields Genre. It's one of the most relatable genres. Mm. Because it's what all of us want to a degree. We all want that sort of like happy-go-lucky relationship. And I'm glad that romantic comedies exist. But don't fucking like them. Don't fucking, can't fucking stand them. And no matter how many fucking 50 first dates I watch, not gonna fucking like romantic comedies. How many 50 first dates have you watched? Like, fuck that. Like, I I needed to see it once and I was good. Like, I see what you're doing, Adam and Drew. Like, I'm good, though. No. 
Yeah, another thing about Adam, Adam Sandler, because we got, we got five minutes, we can shoot the yeah, shit okay. for a bit. Yeah. Uh, Adam Sandler, stop making your movies and work for other people. That's what I'm saying. Uh, it's I don't I don't want to all the way be done with him because he has this one contract with Netflix yeah. and he hasn't had a comedic a comedic hit in years until Ridiculous Six came out. I heard that that gave What's, him good stuff. Well, maybe because I I, yeah. I didn't enjoy it, you know. But oh, I mean, okay. if it was critically acclaimed and people are watching that and enjoying it, then good. Mm -hmm. But I've seen the numbers, like people were watching it because it's on Netflix and it's on the front cover. Yeah, it's like, like there. <laughs> yeah, when, you, when it first came out, it was there everywhere. You could find it five or six times just on Netflix alone. Every time you scrolled three over, there's Ridiculous Six again, <laughs> you know? So I'm more than sure that it had the, the viewer numbers, mm -hmm. but I would like to see what people thought about it. Clearly. How it was received, yeah. yeah. I, I read an article that they said that it was okay. It was pretty good. Oh, excuse me but yeah Adam Sandler I feel like as long as he stays away from directing and yeah. writing his own stuff mm. he can be a really good actor because uh, I mean we've seen it in Fifty First Dates yeah. we've seen it in Punch Drunk Love mm. we've seen it in and was he the one in You Don't Mess With The Sullens yeah we see him in You Don't Mess With The Sullens like those are good fucking comedies I didn't like that but yeah <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I, don't, I don't like Adam Sandler comedy that makes sense yeah. you know like I, I mean um the Waterboy, I love. Big Daddy, I love. But then every, there's like three of them that I like. You know, honestly. Yeah, I feel but, yeah. but he he's got he's got the potential to do a lot of cool stuff. I just yeah. want I just want him to break out of the Jack and Jills and the Grown Ups tree and all that shit. I just want him to break out of that because I feel like he's a lot of actor getting a lot of shit. But it's just because he's not he's working for money, not to make good movies. Yeah, um, I mean he's he's took take, taken like numerous roles. He was in uh, the movie Rain. Or Rain Over Me, I believe it was called, or Rain On Me, one mm -hmm. of those names, with uh, Don Cheadle. Okay. He played a, um, a husband who lost his, his wife and children to the World Trade Center on 9-11. Okay. You know, so he just was just a completely downtrodden, you know, feeling miserable type of person. Yeah. You know, so there was no comedy in there for him whatsoever. Yeah. He did a great job. Spanglish did a great job. Um, Punch Drunk Love did a great job. Fantastic job. There was one where, um, with him and Judd Apatow, I can't remember the name of that, but that was really, really good. Funny People. Funny was the People. Name of that. Yeah, I remember that. That was good. Yeah. Click was an amazing Click. movie. Click, yeah. You know, so, I mean, he's he's a good actor. Yeah. So, I mean, I can't just completely shit all the way on him, you mm -hmm. know, but, but we're getting back to preference. I just yeah, yeah, yeah. Same here. But I, I just wish that he would stop doing his own movies and mm -hmm. branch out and work with other people. Yeah. Because uh, that seems where he shines the most. Yeah, it does. And uh, in terms of, like, Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey hasn't been doing a lot. I think I Love You, Philip Morris was his last thing. Before, before now. Maybe so. Like I haven't heard or yeah, seen yeah. anything. Recently. He's been working on some stuff, but I don't think they're comedies. I think they're kind of more serious roles. The last time I've seen him was on um, Jerry Seinfeld's. Um, was it Driving in Cars with comedians getting so. coffee? Like yeah. it's a long ass name. I'm sure I'll <laughs> fuck it up some kind of way. But he was on an episode of Jerry Seinfeld's show, and that's the last thing I've seen him in. Yeah. You know, so he's kind of like a hippie now. Is he? Yeah, Jim Carrey's a hippie. What? Not like in the traditional sense, but he's kind of like, oh yeah, like. Buddha's life, man. Oh, kind of, um, kind of him and Matthew McConaughey hanging out. <laughs> <laughs> the drums. Yeah. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> Hell yeah. You know. Think about high school girls keep getting younger. <laughs> oh, yeah. Stay the same age. It's fucking funny. Yeah. Uh, I think that was it for rom-coms, man. Yeah. I think that was a good, good shot. Yeah. Good job. I mean, what is episode four? I mean, if you've been listening from episode one, I feel like we're clearly getting better. So stick around and grow with us. Yeah. And I would love to see you guys here in episode 30. Yeah. Know? We're figuring this shit out the same. We're also figuring out how to be filmmakers. Mm -hmm. And I think that sooner or later, we're going to get the chance to talk to people that are 
in the industry mm-hmm. that are friends with us that are can give us some insight into into a little bit of the film. So if you're a filmmaker and you want to check us out, stick with us. We're figuring this shit out for ourselves too. Mm-hmm. And we'll probably end up when we get our own projects, we're hopefully gonna add a little segment to talk about our own projects and mm-hmm. and give you an update on how that's going and whatnot. So we're filmmakers talking about film. So if you're a filmmaker, get in touch with us, man. Talk to us. Ask us questions. Let's talk. Let's have a conversation about film. Yes, yes. That'd be good. Also, closing thoughts. I think we're good. Um. Yeah, I'm good. All right. I'm good. Thank you for listening, not watching. <laughs> yeah. Later, <laughs> Because guys. I fucked that up a lot. And uh, have a good one. Uh, we'll see you in episode five. By the way, I forgot. Sorry. Uh, I just put in the application to be a podcast on iTunes. What? Yes, we're going to be on your fucking phone. Holy shit. So, yeah, and so, so instead of having to listen to us from SoundCloud, which I know is a lot of faff, because mm. it's like a website that not a lot of people use in mm. terms of like where they get their content. Yeah. Uh, so we're working with SoundCloud's RSS feed to bring it to iTunes so that you can just subscribe to us on your iPhone and... I'm finding an Android alternative for the podcast app so that if you're an iOS or Android, then you can just listen to us by subscribing and our shit automatically pops up on your shit. So that's how it's going to work. Make it very easy for you guys. Yep. Cheers. Thank you for listening.